please take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis 42. Um, and before we, we read our scripture reading this morning, I uh, just want to give you a little bit of backstory. There's uh, a Jacob. It lives in the promised land, and there is a famine that's widespread in that region. And the only food is in Egypt, so he sends his sons to go and to acquire food for their family. And, and while they're there, uh, their brother Joseph, that they sold into slavery many years before, is the man in charge. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And so he inquires about their family and finds out that his father and his younger brother are still alive. And uh, so he accuses them of being spies and says, you know, um, I'm going to put you in prison. And they said, we're not spies. And he said, well, then I want you to prove it. Go and bring your younger son back to me so I can know you're not spies. And in the meantime, I'm going to hold one of your brothers in prison until you return. And so the brothers return to their father. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 29. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man the Lord of the land said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me, O my children. Joseph is no more, and Simon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Thus ends a reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful this morning that we could stand before you uh, and to hear your word preached. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and, and give us hearts to receive the words of eternal life that are given to us this day. We thank you, O God, and pray this in your name. Amen. In the opening weeks of, of this new year, um, I'm going to be preaching on various topics. And I know that's sort of unusual for me. I don't usually preach topically. Usually we go through books of the Bible. Uh, but this morning, uh, we're going to go through uh, a, another topic. And, and this series, I'm entitling it, Perspective for the New Year. Just things for us to think about as we come to this new year and as we face the future. And so we began last week by looking at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, where uh, uh, God commanded Joshua, be strong and courageous. And just how we as his people can be strong and courageous as we know that God's promises are true, as we know that God is present 
and that his word is trustworthy. Uh, but this morning, I want us to consider uh, what do we do, though, when we don't uh, appear to be so strong and courageous, when the circumstances that we face are, are hard and difficult, when, when we face disappointment and life seems to be falling apart. And I know for some people that may uh, have even occurred this week as they heard of riots and, and other headlines that have been happening. And, and I've just run into so many Christians that have been like, Lord, what is going on with our nation? And just things seem to be in such a turmoil. And so what do you do when faith doesn't make sense? When God doesn't seem to be answering or opening doors, or even sometimes it sounds like God's not answering us? Well, to be honest, we all face disappointment in one way or another uh, from time to time. And it could be something as simple as wanting a certain gift for Christmas. Kids, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where you wanted something for Christmas, and instead you got socks or underwear or something like that, and you're like, that's not what I wanted. And so there was great disappointment on that Christmas morning, right? I'm sure you also got the gift you wanted as well, in addition to the socks. But, you know, it, it could be maybe that you're uh, reaching more middle life, and you just realize that all those things that you would hope to accomplish have not really happened, or maybe your dreams have been dashed. It, it might be that uh, you were passed over for promotion at work. You worked really hard for that, gave in extra hours, and you did better than the person who got the job, and yet you were passed over. It may be that you're single, and you had hoped by now that you would have been married and, and started a family, uh, but that's not been the case. It may be that you have a child that is not walking with the Lord, or, or maybe if your kids are young, like so many of our kids are in our congregation, it's not that your kids aren't walking with the Lord, but maybe you don't see much of a spiritual interest in a particular child, and that concerns you, that, that they don't care for the things of the Lord. It, it may be finding out that you have a terminal disease, or, or maybe that your marriage ended in divorce. You're a Christian, you don't believe in divorce, and you had planned to, to have a happy marriage in your entire life, and yet now you find yourself divorced. It may be the, the death of a spouse or, or a child, and, and the list could go on and on and on. There's so many different ways that we could be disappointed. Um, and, and of course, not all disappointment's the same. Um, it's one thing to be passed over for a job promotion, it is quite another, brothers and sisters, to bury a child. Uh, so, but at one time or another, we all will face a sense of disappointment and be tested in our faith. And so what do you do when faith doesn't make sense? When the hand of God seems to be against you and His providence is hard to accept? Well, today I want us to look at the life of Jacob in Genesis chapter 42. I know in the bulletin it says Exodus 42. But actually, it's Genesis 42. And uh, before we look at his life, though, I just want to make a clarification. Because I grew up in the church, and I know what it's like. When you hear the stories over and over and over, kids, you probably could tell me all the events of Jacob's life, all the details. You've heard it so many times and the things that have happened. But it's almost like you've heard it so much that you stop hearing it, really. And you stop really taking it to heart. And we can read the lives of the patriarch, and we can contemplate their communion with God, and we can mistakenly think that their cares and their trials 
weren't so hard. You know, we can think that the patriarchs were always talking to the Lord. But if you're careful to read about the lives of these patriarchs, you see that there were periods, there were times when the Lord appeared to them, but they weren't in constant communion with the Lord. And, and so uh, their lives were very much affected. Um, we find that these were people like us that have like passions and common cares and, and the sorrows of life. And Jacob was one such person. Jacob was a man who had many disappointments and trials in his life. Let me just go over some of the things that, that we know about Jacob. He grew up in a family where, where his brother Esau hated him. As a matter of fact, when, when Jacob was older, his brother swore that he was going to kill him, which uh, caused Jacob to flee his home and go into exile, and he was gone from his family for over 20 years. Now, Jacob obviously wasn't innocent in those events, okay? But still, there was always this animosity between him and Esau. As a matter of fact, they fought each other in their mother's womb. Uh, so, so Jacob left home. And even as Jacob was preparing to come back home after 20-some years, he had had a family of his own and, and acquired possessions. He was fearful that his brother would still seek to kill him. But of course, the Lord brought reconciliation to them. Well, then years later, um, Jacob, who had two wives, Rachel and Leah, Ra Rachel, whom he loved very, very, very much, was his favorite wife, uh, she bore him two sons whom he loved so much. And I think a lot of that is just because he loved her so much. But uh, he ended up burying those wives. Both Rachel and Leah had passed away and died. And any that have lost a spouse can understand the pain and the sorrow that, that Jacob must have gone through. But it wasn't long after Rachel, his favorite wife, died that uh, her oldest son, Joseph, um, was cruelly sold into slavery by his brothers. And then his brothers, to cover it up, then took his garment and ripped it into shreds and covered it with blood and then went back to their and said, oh, a wild beast got a hold of him and killed him. And when Jacob heard the news, he was devastated. This is how um, the scriptures describe that devastation. In Genesis 37-35, all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Have you ever known someone like that? That they were in such deep sorrow and pain and disappointment that they refused to be comforted. Maybe even you've been in that place at a point in your life. But anyway, he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And so all these years Jacob lived with that loss of loved ones, of wives, of, of sons. And so Jacob was no stranger to sorrow and disappointment. But now, as we come to the text that we come to today, it's years later, and there's now a widespread famine in the land. And as I said earlier, Jacob had sent his sons to Egypt so that they could buy food and the sons returned with the dreadful news that the Lord of Egypt suspected them to be spies and, and so he threw Simeon in prison and, and said that they had to prove their innocence and the only way they could do that was to bring their youngest son Benjamin 
down to, to Egypt. <coughs> so now, let's put ourselves in Jacob's shoes. Uh, you buried two wives, as I said. You're, you lost a son to a tragic death. And, and think about this. I mean, Jacob in, 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 or Joseph in Jacob's mind was brutally murdered by a wild beast. His, his body was never recovered. And, and now you're told that you must send the last of Rachel's sons uh, to put him under the power of a man who had treated your other sons very roughly and was holding your son Simeon in prison where he was destined to die if you did not give up Benjamin. Can you imagine how that would feel and what he was going through? And then on top of that, if you look at verse 35, you, you see that it says that when they opened their sacks of food, then they found their money bags still in their sacks, which just struck terror in their heart. They're already accused of being spies, and now there's evidence that they are thieves as, as well. And so you can understand, brothers and sisters, the cry that Jacob gives out in verse 36. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this is against me. You see, under the, the severe difficulties, the heart of this old patriarch sunk under the weight of his complicated distress. In, in one sense, you, you see the understandable cry of a man who has endured much disappointment and grief in his life. But in another sense, you see the weakness of our poor, fallen human nature. Because aren't we like that, brothers and sisters? Don't we do the same thing? As, as the difficulties of life, the disappointments of life come our ways, they weigh heavily upon us. And they tempt us to cry out against the Lord. Lord, why are you doing this to me? Lord, what is going on? Why is your hand against me? And I think you, I say that about the weak, weakness of our human nature because how could any circumstance be against a man to whom God has blessed as he has blessed Jacob? And I'm not talking about the wives that he had or the children that he had or the livestock that he had. But if you turn over to, to, um, to Genesis um, chapter... Genesis 28. If you turn over to Genesis 28, uh, you'll see that the Lord blessed Jacob in a very special way. Genesis 28, verse 10. Um, this is an account that happened as Jacob left his family. He was heading to live with his uncle Laban. And uh, in the meantime, uh, he had to stop for the night, and so he did. And the Lord spoke to him in a dream. And this is what we read, Genesis 28:10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth and to the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, 
the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and, and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You see, God came to, to Jacob, and he assured him of the covenant that he had made with his father Abraham, with or grandfather Abraham, with his father Isaac, and now that God is making with him. Uh, God was not just making a flip, uh, a glib promise. He was entering into a covenant with him, a, a covenant uh, where he was reestablishing his relationship with Jacob. I mean, if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, they were sent out from the garden into exile. And the people became a nomadic people and they traveled. But here God is promising His people that He would gather them together, that He would give them a land, that He would give them a place of rest, uh, that He would be their God and, and they would be His people. And, and it was a wonderful, glorious promise that God was establishing with them. And it is the same covenant that the Lord makes with us and that He has fulfilled in Jesus Christ. If you would, turn over with me uh, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We see now that as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free, free in Christ from the law of sin and death. So we know that in Christ we have been set free, that, that God has shown His love, and the Son has come to purchase a people for Himself. But then skip down to verse 26. Uh, not only has He saved us, but He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That, that the Spirit of God prays for us and He loves us. So God didn't just save us and leave us alone. But as we, we saw as we went through the book of Hebrews, that Jesus still is ministering today on our behalf. He is praying for us and He loves us because He's entered into a covenant with us. And then look at verse 28. And I want you to see, brothers and sisters, the love that God has for His people that He has entered into covenant with. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, uh, this is the, 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 the promise that God had given to Jacob that he would enter into a relationship with him. And yet, now, years later, Jacob has forgotten that promise. Rather than trusting God and his covenant promises, Jacob draws hasty conclusions against the faithfulness of God under these dark circumstances. And as we said earlier, we can understand to some extent the difficulty of these circumstances. I'm not trying to, uh, to, to downplay these, um, but, but, he, but, uh, but Jacob is, is, is not trusting the Lord in this. He cannot see that Joseph is alive and that Simeon really is under his brother's care, under Joseph's care. And that as, as Jacob sends Benjamin to, to be with the Lord of Egypt, he's actually sending him into the arms of his brother, whom he has not seen for years. And so while Jacob is struggling with the circumstances that are before him because they look so dark, God is actually working in such a way that, that uh, to you reunite Jacob and his entire family together. And brothers and sisters, this is an example of the providence of God towards his people. Uh, we are prone to draw hasty conclusions against God's faithfulness whenever we face those dark circumstances. We oftentimes forget the great love of God that we read about in Romans 8 and to see that, that he is even willing to sacrifice his own son. And, and not just that, that Jesus would come and give his life, but Jesus came as God. He came and became human. And, and he didn't, didn't just leave and go back to being God in heaven. He still continues to be fully God and fully man. And so as Jesus intercedes for us, he intercedes for us, understanding us and the things that we go through. He understands the pain of the trials and the disappointments in, in our lives. And so, as human beings, we really are incapable of judging what is for our good and what's not. Often we think that the events that are against us, um, we think that events are against us when actually they are for our good. Um, because of our impatience and our unbelief. We are tempted to say that everything that goes against our wishes and our wills and our expectation is God working against us. Uh, but I really appreciate what Richard Sibbs, the great Puritan, said about this. He said, suffering brings discouragements because of our impatience. Alas, we lament, I shall never get through such a trial. But if God brings us into the trial... He will be with us in the trial and at length bring us out more refined. You see, we are so tempted to be impatient and to think that, that our trial was it, not seeing that God 
is present with us and he will bring us through that trial. So our disappointments oftentimes turn to discouragement like that of Jacob because we don't wait on the Lord. Uh, uh, As Orson Welles once said, he said, if you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, on where you stop the story. Okay, it depends on where you stop. Uh, To be honest, I think for, for many Christians, we are tempted to stop our story way too soon and declare that we are at the end before God has finished what He is doing in our lives. One of the problems, uh, Christians, is that we judge our circumstances before the time, before God has finished working, before God's works of providence are complete. And so if we are to see God's hand at work, there is a waiting that is required in our lives and a continuing to trust Him even through those difficult times. But even, uh, I think we can be confused in the same way that we can think that the difficult things in our lives are bad, the things that that challenge us, the disappointments are bad. We can also likewise, um, oftentimes delight in events that are really not good for us. Things that may bring us comfort, things that may uh, bring us uh, satisfaction, when in reality, they may be hurting us spiritually. I mean, uh, uh, those things that gratify our desires, we see as blessings, even though they might be for our harm. I mean, think about it this way. Have you ever tried to take something sharp away from a toddler? Okay, maybe they got a hold of a knife or uh, a fork or a pencil or something that you thought that they could, they could hurt themselves with. And so what do you do when you take that object, or what does that toddler do when you take that object away from them. They cry, right? Or they scream or or they throw a fit. Why? Because they see your actions as being against them and what they want. But as a loving parent, you know that that is something that will bring them harm and so you would take that away from them. Brothers and sisters, um, you know, there are times when we see things as bad that are good and things as good that are really bad. And and we may experience disappointment about things, whether it be political health of our country or disappointments of not having friends or loss of wealth or or health. But we never know how God uses these disappointments uh, to reduce our pride or to redirect our focus to heaven rather than the things of this world. And, And sometimes we might be like Jacob, and, and we fight God for the things that we want, for the idols that we're seeking to hang on to. You think about how, how Jacob held on to Benjamin, uh, that even uh, when he was told, if you want to get your son Simeon back, you need to send Benjamin, Jacob wasn't ready to do that. He wasn't. Reuben even said, Father, if I don't bring Benjamin back, you can kill my sons. You know, I am so intent on bringing your son back. I will do this. That still did not uh, persuade this man to give up his son. The only thing that persuaded Jacob was the fact that they ran out of food and they were all going to die anyway. And, and much like that, sometimes God needs to pry the idols from our hands that we are holding on to and that we might experience God's fulfilling his purpose in our lives because he knows what is really, really, really good for us. We don't see all the different connections that, that need to occur. Only a sovereign God 
could oversee sovereignly the, the um, circumstances of all of humanity like that. So it's not surprising that we can't reasonably understand everything that goes on even in our own lives. We must understand that our view of circumstances are covered with clouds and darkness, but behind the veil is the steadfast eyes of a God who not only sees, but controls the events that appear uh, to Christians to be against us, knowing that in reality they are for our highest good. As Paul says, all things work together for good. Um, as, as he says also to the Corinthians, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ. We belong to Christ, the one who loved us, that died for us, the one who now as, as a fully man and fully God is interceding for us um, at the right hand of the Father to care for us. When, as God is an infinite, tender Father, He has no interest that's distinct from that of His church. And in the same way, Christ is the same. So if then God and His Son pursue their own interests, then they are pursuing that which is good for the church. And brothers and sisters, we need to know that. We need to know that as we face those dark times in our lives, when we face those times of uncertainty, when we face those times of, of difficulty, to know that it is the hands of a loving God that, that is behind us. Now, as Jacob comes to the end of God's providence, and he's taken to Egypt, and he sees that his son Joseph is alive, of course, he can rejoice because he sees uh, where God was leading all along. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, God doesn't tell us here upon this earth. There are times um, where we will suffer, and the only time that we will see the scope of God's providence unfold is when we get to glory to be with Him. And we will see that the love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is overseeing each and every event that we have. And where we were once thinking, God is against me. Now we will say, Hallelujah, Lord, even for the tears that I had to shed. For it was the Father's care who purified me in the furnace of His glory. What could we have done without a God to shape the circumstances of our lives? He knows infinitely better how to plan our lives than ourselves. Our words will be that of the psalmist of Psalm 97, verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. And brothers and sisters, if there is such a reason to rejoice in the providence of God, then surely we ought to submit to it today with patience and cheerfulness under all possible trials and disappointments. Because there is no affliction that is not appointed by God. They all come from His hand. And so the nature of the trials that we go through, the magnitude of the trials, the duration, all the surrounding circumstances are regulated by infinite wisdom and love. And so to our Creator, our Preserver, our Redeemer, let us cheerfully submit to God who loves us. We have nothing to fear that is, unless we are an enemy of God, then of course, then we will be crushed by the hand of God's justice. 
but as his children, brothers and sisters, let us commit all your cares and your interests and the keeping of your souls to God's unwavering trust and love. Let us gather up everything dear to us on earth and commit them to the hand of a faithful God. It is safe to leave them there. He will never disappoint those who put their confidence in Him. Reminds me of the words that Paul spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. You see, God is faithful, and we cannot place too much confidence in Him. As His Word reminds us as we close this morning, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah 26, 4. God is our strength. As we go through those times of trial, those times of disappointment, and, and we're struggling, we can look to the Lord who is our rock. He is ever present with us. And He is immovable even in the face of of circumstances that seem to be changing daily. And brothers and sisters, that's where our country is right now. We are changing daily. You, you just almost hate to open your browser and look at the news or open a newspaper or whatever, however you get your news because you're afraid of the things that you might hear that day. But the Lord is an everlasting rock. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Everything that God gives to us, He does so because it's good for us. It's the ultimate good, and He loves us and wants us to have what's best. And then, as the prophet Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 3, 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce, of olive, the, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, if everything is destitute, if everything is awful, if everything is backwards and upside down from what it should be, even then, the prophet said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Because our God is a God in whom we can trust. Brothers and sisters, I, I don't know what you're going through uh, this morning or the things that, that you are wrestling with. Maybe things are, are not so difficult for you right now, but there will be a time when disappointments will come where trials will come, where difficulties will come, and your faith will be tested. Please know that God is trustworthy. If He is a God who has made a covenant with you and has died and, and cares for you even now, then all that He brings into your life, He does so for, for our good. Let's bow our heads this morning and meditate upon the Word preached to us today.
Lord, we thank you so much that we could hear your word this morning. God, we are, are so thankful that you are not a distant God, a, a God who is impersonal, who has just written things in a book and is, is far away from us. But you are a God that is, is closer than our very breath. You are a God who not only has loved us in the past, but you continue to show that love each and every day in our lives, uh, even in ways, God, that, that we are not aware of, even in ways, Lord, that we take for granted. And we don't even realize, Lord, maybe the temptations that we may face and how we could not stand firm, but it be for the prayers of our Savior who are interceding for us. We thank you for your great love. And I pray, Lord, today for those uh, that are wrestling, those who are struggling in their faith. May they be reminded of who you are, Lord, and that you are trustworthy. May you encourage them. May they lean upon the rock that is immovable, the one that can cause them to stand firm and to be grounded. Uh, Lord, I pray for us, Father, as we continue to live in the country and the communities that you have given to us. Uh, Lord, there is much unrest. There are people who are very worried. There are people, God, who are open to the gospel. And I pray that we would be bold to share the hope that we have, that they would see within us, Lord, not people who, who, who never struggle, not people who are never tempted, but those that when they do, uh, they know where their hope and their um, rest lies. And Father, may they see the results of the salvation in our lives and the steadfastness. And God, may that give us opportunities to share Christ with them. We thank you, O Lord, and pray these things in your name. Amen.